What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. Thank you so much for making Coast to Coast your first listen. Once again, we are late to the game here. We're going to be talking a bit on free agency, but we've had a bit more time to look at it, a bit more time to see a couple of deals that have only gone down in the last couple of days. A bit more look at fit and how things are going to look moving forward. We'll also be checking out some of the stars that could still be on the move before before the uh, the start of next season. But before we do that, just want to thank you all so much for making Coast to Coast your first listen. And you like what you're hearing, make sure to like, subscribe, and we'll keep producing that content. Chris, how you doing, man? What's up? I'm pretty good. I should be asking you. I mean, this is this is wedding season, so we'll, we'll give an excuse for missing a couple of days of moratorium. Okay, like we haven't you haven't had little trade yet. You, you had a nice fun wedding weekend. How how you feeling? You good? You rested I'm, up? I'm I'm rested up now. I'm well recovered. I'm I'm glad that uh, the Damien Lillard trade didn't go down while I was while I was on the wedding weekend. It was at least it was just a trade request that we finally finally had to see. But there were there certainly was some uh, some very interesting moves. So I was there. With my glass of champagne, watching the Shams and Woes drop drop their <laughs> bombs there, you know, just sit standing in the corner. But uh, it's uh, it's certainly be an interesting start to free agency. Yeah, I, and I I think we're gonna start out with with our favorite. Let's just talk about our favorites here. So, like, what what was your favorite move or your best move? Uh, first five days we got here. We we don't have the we don't have the big one yet. We don't have the Dame Lillard trade. I know you've been waiting a year for it but what what did you see that you were like this that's my favorite that's a good move right there yeah obviously there's obviously the main the main big ones we've seen but i think bruce brown to the pacers was uh was a big mm-hmm. deal i think it was a smart move from the pacers seeing what they were able to offer and the fact that they have a team option on him so like you, know, like you look at it if he was to get injured maybe if he wasn't to to thrive like he has done in both denver and brooklyn they could sign him to a much nicer contract next year and they offered him a amount of money for year one that no one else could match and they knew they were going to get him. So I think I like the fit, obviously. He's a guy that just seems like the type of player that every competitor should want. So it's a great uh, great signing for the Pacers and it's also a really team-friendly deal that they can uh, they can work around as well. Yeah, super team-friendly deal. And yeah, they, they were able to coach him away. He is obviously championship mentality. And now you can call him a NBA champion. Crazy to say, but um, I love that move too. I we've talked about the Pacers and their team construct and like what they really needed, and we've talked about them being a wing away from having like kind of a complete core. And you know, Bruce Brown isn't technically a wing, but what is Bruce Brown? Bruce Brown is a point guard sometimes. Bruce Brown is a now he's a spot up shooter. Sometimes he's a screener, so sometimes you can even play him as like an inverted pick and roll. Like he does everything, and while he doesn't fit that wing role like perfectly, like he's a guy that for Pacers team that are trying to get into the playoffs, obviously next year, um, and with the growth that they've had, um, I, I like that move. And and they also we we got to throw in a shout out. They got your boy Obi. How, how do you think Obi's gonna do there? I think he could really thrive there, to be honest. I think yeah. he'll be great playing alongside Halliburton. And I think he's got a I, I could see I wouldn't think don't think it'd be crazy to think of him as a guy that could definitely be sixth man of the year out there mm. in Indiana. Okay. He gets good minutes. <laughs> good he he can be a good scorer. Yeah, he maybe lack a little bit on the on the defensive side of it, but in terms of scoring off the bench, if that's the role he will likely play, especially the fact that he'll likely be playing behind uh 
behind Jairus Walker. I think, yeah, I think I really like that move for him. I like the fit, and clearly they made the move. They got him for a steal, two, two second-round picks. It's great, good business, and they clearly want him and want to play him in, like, consistent minutes. So I think if he's there getting 20 to somewhere in the 20 to, like, 24 minutes per game, I think he can have a really big impact. Yeah, I mean, he. I think he fits exactly what they're trying to do offensively with, with the spacing that he provides um, with the baseline cut. Like he's he's going to really thrive in what they do um, in uh, in the Pacers organization. And I I want to talk about my favorite now. I've been waiting for this. I when we when we've been talking about like Grant Williams the past year, it's been up and down ever since he had such I mean such an amazing playoff run last season and I gotta say over and over like I do not see that as a fluke I I thought he had a a weird year with inconsistent minutes and I think the pressure of free agency the this looming free agency kind of messed that up got got a coach that was not committed to his development or or keeping him going there I think when you put him next to Luka Doncic and you look at what the Mavs needed most I think Grant Williams fits that perfectly. He does everything that they really want Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell to be. I mean, to, to to fit in a guy that can switch two through five, a guy that can shoot the three aggressively. And I mean, pick and pop and switching on defense is like the number one thing that they need from a wing and big. I mean, Grant gives him that seamlessly. He can play the wing. He's shown that. He can play um, four, and sometimes he can play the five. And to have that defensively for this team that was just really struggling, I mean, that that I think is it, – it's weird that that's my favorite because there's so many interesting uh, signings out here. But, I mean, to have him in this system, that's the exact kind of guy that they want. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. Literally, it seems like the perfect mold of player that they wanted, and a f- and a fairly decent deal as well. I think for go- for what he could bring to the team, and now it's the literally the only question mark you had there is like, how does he go from being a guy who has to do it for twenty five minutes a night to have being a guy that has to do it for probably thirty five minutes a night? Because I think he's gonna come in and be a starter here, and without without uh without doubt, really, if they they uh. They paid him that money. They they he does what they need. I don't think he's going to come in and be, be a mostly bench player like he was out in Boston. So that's literally the only question mark. But in terms of what he brings, and I think in a place where he can develop and be really relied upon, I think that's something that Grant Williams is going to going to thrive. A situation that he's really going to thrive in. Yeah, and Tip Tip is really rubbing off on you. How huh? you're gonna you're gonna throw him thirty five minutes right off the bat. Uh, that's like the, the, the what he provides no one else on the team does so i mean he's gonna need to be out there no, he is especially getting reggie bullock out of there i mean they've they've not been shy to give reggie bullock uh tons of minutes when dorian finney smith was there like throwing him a ton of minutes. i mean grant will need to play for sure especially in the playoffs i mean if he's conservatively like if he's playing 30 minutes a night i'm not surprised and that would be like on average that's a pretty big jump for him um especially from last season. But as a shooter, consistency with minutes, that's that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. And one other one, other kind of obscure one that I liked was uh, probably a bit of an overpay, but Max Schroes to Cleveland, I think, was a, uh, yeah. was a nice move. I think, uh, obviously, you got to gotta pick payday. Obviously, that's what happens when you, when you play on a team that goes to the finals and you have a big impact there. 
But I think I like the fit for for the Cavs. They kind of struggled uh, at the three spot last year. They couldn't really find a, a piece that worked consistently there. And I think a guy like Schuess, he's a bit of a bit of a steady Eddie. He'll keep things going. He won't uh, he won't really differ too much or dip too much. He'll be a consistent performer for the team. And I think that's that's good for them. And that's something that they need. He can hit he can hit his shot. And I think he's going into a situation where he's not going to be relied on to do anything, but he can still have a big impact. Yeah, and I think there's that's a perfect perfect fit for them, and especially for Need. That, that that's another thing. Like when when you have a team like the Cavs, when you have a team like the Mavs, when we have teams that like have the front side talent, and when you have the top end talent to compete, you're really just trying. You're just trying to figure out like, well, what this is missing something. This recipe is missing a couple ingredients, and then the whole dish comes together. And a guy like Max Drews on a team that does not have a movement shooter, that does not have a guy that you need to really chase around around the perimeter. Because, I mean, no one's really that worried about Karis LeVert shooting three. I mean, like you have to defend him, but he's not. you're not really game planning too hard for that. Um, and you can't really name a significant shooter on this team. Max Drews immediately becomes their best shooter. Um, and for... For playmakers, it's just huge to have guys like that on the floor. It just it creates so much more havoc when you're having to deal with the creativity of Garland with the, the downhill intensity of Mitchell. And then you're also trying to have to figure out how are we going to prevent Max Hughes from getting as many shots as he wants. Because I think being the best shooter on this team, I mean, he's going to have perhaps a little bit more freedom. Um, that gives him you know, a, a lot more consistency in terms of minutes. And while he did play really patiently and professionally in a Miami Heat situation where, you know, if you don't got it going, you don't have it going and you're not going to really get many minutes that night, but he's going to get a chance every single night to do what he does best, shoot threes. And that's exactly what the Cavs need. That's exactly what Schroes wants and great, great signing overall. Yeah. Yeah. Who, 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 who else you got on your list there? Um, I like that we're doing, we're, we're doing these, uh, these other ones. That we're going a little out of the mold, but I really liked Cam Johnson for a couple of reasons. One is the Nets are choosing the direction. I, I think that the some people might have seen Cam Johnson as a throw in, like, hey, we might as well get value if we're going to be trading Kevin Durant to the Suns, get everything we can. Fine. Cam Johnson, good player. Fine. Give it to us. But I think they really see Cam Johnson as a part of their future. I mean, as evidenced here. Um, that, and that's that's number one, just having a direction for a team that has sorely been needing it for a myriad of reasons. But also, I love the fact that they took out the number one competitor for signing Cam Johnson by trading Joe Harris over to Detroit. That just perfect. It was like it was like, hey, we're gonna be at a stalemate here. We're both gonna end up spending way too much money on Cam Johnson. So you guys need a shooter. Here you go, Joe Harris. We'll give them to you for basically nothing. Have fun with that. You got what you need. And don't bother us for Cam Johnson like that. I thought that was perfect because Detroit has been rumored um, and confirmed, I mean, by multiple sources, that they were really going to go for Cam Johnson all the way up to the free agency uh, more time until the, the trade with Joe Harris. So just shows how much they were committed. They were, they were willing to get off a vet, a guy who mattered to that program, a guy who, who really grew up in that system, and is you know one of the least best shooters. That wasn't nothing to to get rid of Joe Harris, a guy that that organization committed money to. 
So not only did they get off that guy, but they committed money to him. Did not shop around. There did not seem to be any news about that. So it's it's cool to see them have a direction and really be committed to a player like him. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's definitely something that is needed in uh, in Brooklyn, and hopefully it's a a recipe for success. They actually have some building blocks to to build around in that, and hopefully they kind of just build slowly around the, those those uh, those guys they have, like Cam Johnson and like like Mikael Bridges, and they don't just swing for the fences like they uh, they have done to no effect on uh, multiple occasions now. Before we get into the big jumpers and that, we want to talk. You want to you want to mention the Lakers as a as a whole because of the 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 small little moves that they made, right? Yeah, this is G. I can't I can't pick one, but the Lakers really went under the radar, and I I really don't I don't understand some noise that's that's um you know saying the Lakers did not get better or they kind of have flopped in this free agency period because I, I don't know I guess some people have expected that they were going to make a big a big change or they're going to make a big trade to get another star and I don't know when we're going to learn that that's that is just not number one the CBA these days are not going to be friendly to teams that push that way and we've already seen that having three stars was not necessarily the thing that they needed they needed pieces that fit and I think the beautiful thing about what they did here is it was all just smart moves the fact that they were able to keep Reeves and Rui at the prices that they did, fantastic. I mean, the, those those guys got bargain deals to stay with the team. Russell also was a bargain deal. I mean, Gabe Vincent also solid deal, not not a huge huge contract. Um, and Torian Prince also getting getting guy like that. These are all just under the radar moves that Torian Prince upgrade over Malik Beasley, better defender, more consistent shooter, and. Just having a guy like uh, Vincent, I mean, just way better fit compared to Schroeder. I mean, Schroeder is good for a number of reasons, and I, I think he's not given enough credit for what he's done for the Lakers. But Vincent, I mean, to get a guy that is going to be an aggressive shooter, for all the reasons we talked about Struess, but also be solid defender too. Like, give Gabe Vincent to play as a level defender. He's not a guy that's going to back down and he brings that same mentality that the Lakers are looking for. So to nab him, I mean, they did enough with what they had to retain the surge that they had last season. I think that that's what people are forgetting. Lakers went from a team that had the most rotation leagues. They couldn't figure out what they want to do and they couldn't keep everyone healthy to then having a team that was honestly like a top five team in the West and a team that was, you know, that fell just short of the Nuggets. I mean, it. It. I know that's that's crazy, even though they got swept. But you know, they were they were there. They were there. And game game one, they could have won that. Game two, they could have won that. Game three is up, and it was not. It, it was closer than it looked, and I think they're they're going to be right there because of what they did in this offseason, in this moratorium. Yeah, I mean, and and the big thing as well is like they have a roster that on paper they have a roster that makes sense, probably for the first time since since they won the title there back in the, in nineteen twenty when they they acquired Anthony Davis and a few other veteran guys. Nineteen twenty, all the way all the way back, <laughs> the twentieth century. <laughs> the Lakers even around then? I don't know. Yeah, they're probably in Minneapolis back then, but sure. You, you know, you know what you know what I meant there. Come on, man. But uh. It's uh yeah, the smart moves were made and they did a lot with what the, the limited resources that they had. They did a lot. Uh they got 
good backups you're going to see. I'd say we'll probably see a nice little mix of both Russell and, and Gabe Vincent kind of mix and match and who, who starts, who gets more minutes, whoever, whatever the flow of the game is. And you kind of look at then, you're kind of thinking, is it, it switches then to what sort of drop off are we going to see from LeBron? And like, if you're looking at this mm-hmm. roster and LeBron and Davis are both able to play 60 games at least next year, then you're looking at a team that could easily be winning 50 games. No, no, no problem whatsoever. They should be right up there. I know team, a lot of good teams are in the Western Conference, but they should definitely be a top four team in the West with this roster and uh, enough enough games played from both from both AD and LeBron. Yeah, and two things. One, how much do you think a max contract would be in 1920? Like a thousand dollars? Austin Reeves would be the Michael Jordan of, of NBA in the 19, 1920s, for sure. Like he would be... <laughs> You imagine LeBron, LeBron James in nineteen twenty. You'd be, uh, they'd be sending him for, uh, they'd be sending him to Area Twenty One. I think he's an alien. <laughs> Two, I think the guys that they have in this team, LeBron and uh, AD, are going to be able to get some rest. Um, not a great thing to hear for ticket holders, season ticket holders, but um, or anyone trying to see a game for that matter. But it's another year under the belts, and AD had a not the healthiest season of all time, but at the end, he held it together for sure. But you're going to want to keep them healthy. And you've got guys who are hungry for more. I mean, Rui is hungry for more. I mean, he was able to show it on a big stage that he can be a very streaky player. But if he can put it together, you get more consistency. I mean, that that's a guy that's willing to grow. you got guys that are willing to grow. And that that's something on this team that that you can you can let go of the leash a little bit see how they do um how much better can reeves get and i love i love these two guys that they got um when you look at cam reddish it's like i think most people are out on cam reddish they they don't they don't think there's anything left there but if you say hey you're about to play with lebron james you're about to play for the lakers like play your heart out just play play defense like you're you're gonna be on this team to compete for a championship and if if defensive consistency is coming from Cam Reddish, that is a guy who has the physical tools to be a elite, elite, top notch, top echelon defender. It's there. I mean, it's there in flashes, and it's just not. It's never put it together fully, and I don't think he's been fully bought into. Um, and then Jackson Hayes too. I mean, Jackson Hayes, a guy who has has true NBA athleticism at the five position with skill but with very little opportunity. And I, and I think that it just did not work out for him, for the Pelicans. And, you know, whenever you play with LeBron James, you play with the Lakers, you play in the organization. I mean, they give guys chances. And to get a chance with this organization, maybe it pans out, maybe it doesn't. But you have you have a whole year to figure that out. And I, I think that's that's a very different position from when they were in last year. Last year was like, all right, we're just going to throw these guys. Let, let's see what happens and we'll figure it out from there. I mean, as evidenced by their 500 different lineups, it's not a real knife. I think it was over. Was it a hundred? Can't can't be. I mean, the, with math, I'm sure that you can come up with a hundred different uh, rotations given the amount of uh, people out there. And Max Christie still exists, apparently. But all in all, Lakers, I I think they they got to be commended for the level headed moves they made and by the low risk high reward moves they made. And you don't need a splashy signing. They 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 proved that with what they have. The end of last season that they can they can still do a lot. 
absolutely. I got awesome. one more. Cool. Got one yeah. more. A guy who went from like who is that to then a meme because Anthony Edwards dunked all in his face, um, to becoming a really, I mean, a top three three point shooter last year. Yuta Watanabe. Yes. Like from nothing to a guy that a championship, like not a championship contender, a, a we need to win this championship type team. Like there's no other option to win a championship. A guy that that team, the Phoenix Suns, was like, I need him. Get me him. I need I need a guy to surround Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal with. I'm going to get you to Watanabe. Like that is such a, that's such an amazing development for a guy that was very raw, had very little skill. Um, but just played his heart out like absolute competitor on defense. There's a reason why he's getting put on posters. It's because he contests and he uses verticality. I mean, he, he's he's got great fundamentals as a defender, and he really cares. I mean, he throws his body around on the floor. And I think in interviews, you really saw that from a Nets player, especially Kevin Durant, especially Kevin Durant, to really endorse how much of a competitor that he is because he, he <laughs> I remember he had a quote last year just talking about Yuta about how he had to tell Yuta like relax like you don't you don't have to like go crazy like that every time you get on the floor like you have those minutes you earn those and but that's just Yuta's mentality and that's a championship mentality like you see you saw that with uh with guys at the the Nuggets like he's got that chip on his shoulder but very very focused on on what he does best now and I think Legitimately, he's he's a guy that they really needed uh, after they lost Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. Not having a a long three point shooting wing like that that's something that he's going to bring. That he's going to have very valuable minutes there. I mean, he's going to have moments next year uh, if he continues to play that he does. That I don't think he'll. I don't know if he'll have ever dreamed having. If if he's going to be in the Western Conference Finals, if he's going to be even in the finals. I think I think everyone's already looking at the Suns as the the favorite given that they got Brad. But Yuta's gonna have his time and that that's pretty exciting for a guy who is a, a big question. Who's who's that guy? I don't know who Yuta Watanabe, the guy who got dumped on? No, he's Yuta Watanabe. He's gonna be a championship contender next year with Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely I was shocked when I saw that deal because he definitely could have he definitely could have got a pretty nice, pretty nice payday elsewhere. But it shows commitment, the desire to want to be playing alongside the best and playing uh Playing to win. That was a great, really great pickup. Respect to the Suns for being able to make that uh make that deal happen. What well, let's switch it over then to teams on the whole. What do you, who do you think were the, the biggest jumpers uh, after the first week of free agency? I think you you look at this, uh, and I think there's two teams that are gonna make the biggest jump. And the one obvious one, then one I'm really, really excited to talk about, man, is Houston Rockets. Like, what a 180 or the 180 and uh do not and number one do not look up Jalen green on twitter right now or nothing i I just don't just don't don't do it don't do it but before we get into this but the rocks are just a meme all year i mean they were literally just looked at as a group of kids could not get it together like um I think we were we talked more about uh, getting Eric Gordon out of there than we talked about what they've done to develop, and I think it's just because of how disorganized they've been, how like they just didn't have any culture to speak of, winning culture to speak of, and what they do. They got Yudoka, 
And then in free agency, they really, I mean, just nailed it. Absolutely nailed it in terms of leadership. They got Fred Van Vliet, which I, I thought that was always, that was always the the signing that made the most sense for both parties involved. Um, but I mean, Fred, I mean, that's, that's an all-star. That's a champion. And I'm sure that he was not, I'm sure he was entertaining going back to Toronto. I'm sure there's other suitors. But, I mean, for the Raptors to get him as a leader and as a, a lead point guard and a, a shooter next to uh, Jalen Green, like, home run move. And then you get um, – <laughs> I know, I, know you, I don't know if you love this move, but I think getting Dylan Brooks in there, you absolutely needed a guy like that. You needed a guy that was your your culture setter on defense. That I mean, anybody would love to have a guy that's just a nasty defender. Is it – the guy that's going to go to war with everybody. Like, I don't think the Rockets really have that. Like the Rockets have, have talented young guys, but they don't have a guy who's out there that is, is really embracing conflict in the way that you need to, to have that, that edge. Like he really is going to give them an edge. Yeah. He's going to brick a lot of jumpers. Yeah. It's going to be really frustrating. And you're going to be posting about his $20 million average contract to shoot 33% from three, but it doesn't matter. Like they don't have that, but they have guys that can do that. So that that's that's what I, I don't know if you're as pumped as I am about it, but I I think that this deal unlocks these deals unlock the potential of these players and unlock you know the, this winning mentality. And it's gonna get you're gonna be able to get the full experience from Udoka with these guys uh, now that you actually have leaders on the floor and you know in the coach's office. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think obviously. A lot, a lot of money for a guy like Dylan Brooks, but hopefully what happened in Memphis, uh, hopefully he's learned from that. Like, obviously you don't want to take the the dog out of him. You don't want him to completely change, but he just needs to be, just needs to be a little bit smarter with certain, in certain aspects. He doesn't need to be the problem. He needs to be the culture setter. He needs to be the guy that sets that, the defensive identity. That's what the Houston Rockets are going to build around now. The the dog of, of Dylan Brooks on the defensive end. That's where he provides the biggest impact. That's the biggest thing that the Rockets needed. They had no defense really whatsoever last year. Dylan Brooks can absolutely come in, be that coach or setter. I think Yudoka will be able to to coach him well uh, as well. And then Van Lee, obviously great move. Uh, great to see a guy who went undrafted first becoming a champion, now getting a $130 million contract. It's it's really awesome for him. He he He's definitely... Had to put in the grind to, to to earn it. Some maybe say he's overpaid, but I don't care. I'm not the one paying him, so I'm just gonna respect him for doing it. Then yeah, obviously overpaid got, is what? Yeah, they it's got Jack uh, Jack Landale. That's a pretty nice deal for him. Obviously showed yeah. what he could do uh, in the playoffs and, and later last year with Phoenix. Nice little deal for him. Surprised he got paid as much as he did. I kind of figured he would go back to Phoenix maybe, but. Fair play to him. That's a that's a nice deal. He can have it. He can have a solid impact there. And then getting the guy like Jeff Green as well. That's another great uh, veteran presence, uh, an NBA champion coming into the team. The only thing that's a downside for me is I'm kind of thinking some of the young guys' minutes are going to take a hit here, which kind of disappoints me. I'm like, where the hell is Cam Whitmore going to fit in this? Are we going to see him? Are we really going to see him at all? I know. That's kind of it was always a long shot, but I was di- I I was looking forward to at least seeing him a little bit, which is something I don't think we're going to see at all now. And maybe he might even get a, maybe he might even get moved on. But on the whole, for Houston, they definitely brought in 
guys that can take them to being a team that's at least around the play next year. And I didn't think that was the case before or after the draft. Yeah, I think there's there there's so many levels to player development, and I think the Rockets did a lot of smart things, and the, and I'll get to the Cam Whitmore things. So I think that's important, but they you saw they moved Josh Christopher to the Grizzlies, who uh I won't I won't I won't spend any time on that, but I, I think that's a great reclamation for there's there's a few reclamation projects going on in free agency, and I think that could be a really interesting one. Watch Josh Christopher in Memphis if. I mean, Memphis is not missed on talent. Um, and I think the Rockets had a lot of talent, including Josh. Um, they got rid of him. They got rid of Garuba and Ty Ty Washington of the Hawks for nothing. Garuba, a guy who, you know, I, I think has tremendous defensive upside, but so does Tari Eason. You got to make room for him. And, you know, the, the minutes are definitely going to be tough, but I think um, I feel like we talk about this a lot, but what what you see in, in teams with, with good competition is – Either there is strife, and that comes from a lack of vision. Like maybe there's there's not a team commitment to winning, because teams that are committed to winning, like they're they're okay with comp. There's good competition, and while you would maybe upset with with minutes, I mean, you look at the Heat. I mean, everyone's locked in because everyone knows that this is for the best of the team, and everyone's committed. And I think that to have pressure to continue to improve is something that's important. But you can't have too many guys doing that. So, I mean, they, they got rid of of guys who are going to be, you know, it's unfair to them in their career for the, to to not have a chance to make it. And it's also not good for the team. So they, they got rid of those guys. And, you know, you, you focus around Tari Eason. You focus around um, Jabari Smith Jr. Getting those guys minutes and getting them minutes in a situation where, like, you 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 do have a leash because you're a – you're a draft, a recent draft pick, and you're a talented young guy. But also, if you're playing like an idiot, like I'm just, we're just gonna play Jeff Green. Like, what? Why you can't play like that when you have when you have that? You're not gonna be able to do that when you have Dylan Brooks on the floor. Like, there, there's gonna be so much development that comes from not just the the leadership, like, but also the competition that comes from veterans that actually can play and have just recently competed in the playoffs and. Some of them in the finals. Um, and with Cam Whitmore, I, I think it's it's important to be patient because he's an incredibly raw player. Same thing with Amen Thompson, but I think Amen Amen Thompson has a lot more uh to contribute in terms of playmaking that he's gonna get more minutes that way. But I think what they just did here, not only with with what they got with coaching, but with what they've done in uh free agency, I think tells me that they are gonna be very patient with these guys. It's going to be, they're going to be committed to winning. And Cam Whitmore is going to play a lot of G League games. I'm not going to be shocked. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Look at Jaden Hardy. Jaden Hardy, incredibly raw player. Just needs some time developing in the NBA, you know, learning the NBA game, learning the, learning, you know, not just, you know, how to play, but even just how to work in the, the system. And that's going to be huge for him to, to do that in the G League. Um, so I think you look at what Jaden Hardy did now. He's killing it in the G League. He's killed. He killed it in summer league. He had some great moments at the end of the season with uh, the Mavs. And now you go into season two, and you're like, you know, I'm pretty excited to see Jaden Hardy. That that's pretty exciting because he he got the time to develop. And I think Cam, for a guy who one of his biggest flaws is feel for the game, you know, you can do that in the G League. I don't think the Rockets have time for that. They're they're gonna go into the season like we need to win now. 
and the young guys are going to have to contribute to that. And guys like Cam Whitmore, who are very raw, like that's fine if you need time in the G League. They, they don't need him right now, and I think that's a really good spot for him to be in. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's that's fair. I didn't didn't really think about that. I think that's a that's a that's a good thought. You've 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 uh, you've made me happy there. That saying that, Cam's going to be fine. I promise. It's going to be okay. <laughs> what about then? Do the Rockets win forty games this year? Question then becomes: Are they going to supplant a like a? Are are they going to make a ten seed? Is that is that kind of where that lands? Like a ten seed? Yeah. Um, I think let's think best case scenario, like real, like not insane best case scenario. Like I'm gonna be like Jalen Green's gonna be an all star. Like no, we won't go there. But let's say Jalen Green is an efficient 20, 24, 25 per game score, twenty five five and five guy. I can buy that for sure. Family with consistency. I mean he that that I think that's what killed him with the Raptors. Like it, they switched systems on him, and it really hurt him. VanVleet gets back to 85% of what he was in his all-star season. Dylan Brooks takes less bad shots, but he's still <laughs> the defender he is. And you, you get a little bit of development from Jabari Smith. He really had a great uh, turnaround there uh, at the end of the season. I, I mean, I think you're looking at a talented core of guys who legitimately could be a 9 or 10 seed. Absolutely. Um, and, I mean, if, if, if I just blow the top off the uh, – the the expectations for Jalen Green. And that is a guy, I, I mean, I really do believe Jalen Green's a guy that that is going to be an all-NBA player like every year once he figures it out. And sometimes players jump. Like sometimes like it, it all comes together quickly. And I think the recipe that they just put together could be a situation where that happens. But I don't want to sit here on this podcast and like freak out about like Jalen Green having an all-star season next year because obviously he's not gonna be an all-star with the, the packed west right now but he has an all-star caliber season i mean i i don't i i see this being an eight seed potentially best case scenario i mean and that's with all these young guys still being kind of raw no one not all of them are gonna figure it out together but 40 games yeah i mean that that's that would be a massive jump that'd be probably I mean, how many games they win 20 yeah that off the top of your head no, not, they yeah, might definitely, double. Definitely was, was definitely less than 25, I think, anyway. They, they might double their, I think they would approach doubling, uh, doubling their win count. Not maybe not all the way, they're not going to win 50 games, they're not going to win 48 <laughs> games, but 40 games on the nose. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be super shocked if you're telling me that by the end of next season. I won't be super shocked. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think that's fair. And then what, what what's your, what's your second team? Who, who, who are you looking at then? the Mavs um, mm-hmm. and I, I think this is just a jump from being out of the playoffs to going back to being at least a six seed. Um, and we'll, we'll see we'll see ultimately how the pairing of Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving goes but for them to retain Kyrie was, I mean that's number one priority number one they got that done um, <laughs> beside all the posturing from Kyrie uh, which like it was funny I, I forget what team it was but like um, there's like a report out like that they were planning to meet with him in free agency and then like representatives from that team were like, we're not planning to meet with him. <laughs> so just a lot of things stirring up, a lot of fake news. But he's gonna be Maverick. That's that, right? That can't possibly go wrong. He's not gonna ask out, right? That's that's not happening because he extended. Just get that out of the way. But then you get Grant Williams, and hopefully, 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 
Tybalt, if if they can get Tybalt, and this has not been confirmed yet, I think you have twenty. I think twenty four hours to match. I, I'm I might be messing that up, but they the Blazers have a little bit of time to to think things over if they want to match for for Thibel. But if they get Grant Williams, and they get Thibel, you know, and I think the the they had a great draft getting Rashawn Holmes in a trade and and lively. They've they've got all the ingredients they need to to make things better and to stabilize their defense. And that that's just number one. They clearly prioritize defense and I think the the continuity too between Luca and Kyrie. You could you could tell that there's there's still a little little bit of things that they needed to figure out. The continuity I think is going to be huge for them to to make a jump and they added the defense around them necessarily to <laughs> just hold the lead, number one. But I think that they're gonna they're make, gonna make some noise next year and I think they're gonna be back where they belong uh out of the plan. And that's a pretty big jump for a team that totally missed the playoffs this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think obviously the defense is the biggest hole. They've added a guy who's a who's a three and D and we already talked about in Grant Williams. They will they they could possibly also have Thibel in there too. Obviously not much on, on offense, but in terms of a defensive impact he can definitely provide a provide there. They added Seth Curry, who's a, a legit knockdown three-point shooter, which is something that they didn't really have. They had guys that can sometimes sort of kind of do it, but Seth Curry is one that I think they can uh, rely on that bit more. They got Kyrie mm-hmm. back. They bring Dwight Powell back. I think they've, they've made smart moves. They've had a really good uh, couple of weeks in terms of the draft and free agency, and it was important that they did that without panicking. The big thing, obviously, was getting Kyrie back. That was obviously crucial. They 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 completed that. Now it's the question of the growth. We're gonna have to see growth from Luca. We're definitely gonna have to see growth from a couple of the other young guys that are within the roster. But I've been impressed with the moves they've made. I, I thought they were gonna have to do something crazy, but they've been quite calculated and smart with what they've done, and they're definitely on paper in a position to absolutely really kick on after a really disappointing year last year. Yeah. Um the, I, I think those are my two. In terms of looking at teams that are going to make a big jump uh, because of free agency, at least. Um, Pacers, you know, I'm, I'm close. I'm really close with the Pacers. Um, I mean, it, I think they're already going to be pretty pretty great uh, with or without Brown, but maybe maybe Brown makes that big difference. Pistons, adding some shooting to a team that did not have enough shooting around, around Cade, and Cade gets a another year of development, hopefully not too lost with being injured. Um, Pistons possibly, maybe, maybe Cavs. If, I mean, Cavs for a jump for them is, you know, they go from a, a team that gets bounced in the first round. And I mean, I don't know how much of having a legit shooter unlocks that team. Maybe, maybe it unlocks it more than I'm realizing, but maybe that's a team that, that significantly jumps. Um, but I, I think those are going to be the the biggest ones. I mean, I'm really I'm really betting on the Rockets. I'm really betting on the Rockets. I I really believe that they they have a shot at at least at least winning a game in the play in. That that's that's a that's a pretty modest high high expectation for them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think two teams I mentioned that are obviously aren't taking big jumps. They're teams that were going to be there anyway, but. I like what uh, what the Suns did. I think the the additions they were able to make with the limited uh, amount of uh, contracts and money that they had, getting Gordon and Watanabe was great. Bringing back a Kogi and Lee that that was smart. Bates Diaby Banks just solid solid additions. I think that was they they had a solid uh, 
a solid start to free agency. They they were very limited, but they they made some smart moves. I think I like how they've kind of filled out their roster. Also mentioned the books. I think obviously they were they were they had to have been under pressure from Giannis. They brought back everyone they needed to bring back. Also added in Malik Beasley there. I think obviously Militant had to come back. Lopez absolutely had to come back. Beasley, hopefully he can have a bit more of an impact than he did when he went to LA last year. Crowder is a nice, a good guy to be bringing back. Robin Lopez, yeah, whatever they got Robin, Robin Lopez in there, whatever. But uh, that was obviously something they had no choice but to do. If they had missed out on bringing back any of the guys that they uh, they had last year, they they would have been there would have been a few question marks about them. So they they just went and did exactly what they needed to do. Let's see what sort of impact it has and what way they uh what way they go this year. It's gonna be interesting, but definitely just smart moves. They they did what did what they had to and gives them another chance to be a, a top uh, top two seed in the in the east next year. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Milton was ever gonna go anywhere, but Lopez, keeping Lopez, that was that was kind of sketchy. Like you didn't know maybe he gets over to the heat, maybe and that would have been catastrophic if, if he made it to an Eastern Conference um contender. Maybe he goes over to um, the Lakers. Maybe he goes over to the Suns. Maybe he actually takes some money. He goes over to Houston. I mean, Houston had money. Um, but to keep him around on a, on a bargain deal, I mean, that that was probably the biggest piece. And Beasley, yeah, that that's a, you know, I think the Lakers were kind of betting on him being a just a laser. And at times he was. Um, I, I think that the Bucs just period need a guy that, you kick the rock out to and is going to like, no questions asked, take that job. Um, and having a guy besides Pat Connaughton, besides Grayson Allen to do that. I mean, that, that just, that adds just that much. I think there he has some potential there. Um, but just keeping the band together and Robin Lopez. I mean, you, you love the, you love the Robin and Brooke antics. I mean, that that's, that's fun. I mean, throw a too big, um, please throw a two big man lineup. Put put Giannis at the three. Put the Lopez twins at four and five. Brooke can can space out, and and we'll rock. That that'll be pretty fun. But um, what do you think was the craziest contract? I mean, you, you and crazy in terms of like, um, maybe unnecessary <laughs> or or like or kind of confusing. But there were some there were some weird weird contracts and maybe crazy contracts. Um. Let's talk about the Bane one first. Mm-hmm. Is that I hesitate to say overpay because that there's just that's such a loaded term, but is Desmond Bain five years, two hundred and seven million dollars? Is that an overpay? The Desmond Bain. Maybe, maybe just, maybe just. But at the same time, you're like, this is the building block alongside the guy you believe to be your true superstar in Jamarant. Hopefully after his suspension, he comes back, gets everything back on track. But it's also the cover knowing that if Jazz now on a trajectory that it's it's only gonna it's gonna continue to deteriorate from here, hopefully that isn't the case. You have to keep around a guy like Desmond Bain. Yeah, maybe he's never gonna be your lead guy or your lead point scorer or lead assist or anything like that but the defense he brings the shooting he adds the potential he has he's definitely a guy that could have a that could hit a few all-star games he's definitely a guy you want in a in a team that's looking to compete maybe a slight overpayment but i i i, I get why the grizzlies made made the deal yeah i mean you, you got to keep home homegrown talent 
in Memphis. You're not you're not going to attract uh, major signings, and that, that's just the fact. Like, when, when's the last time that happened? And I mean, for for a guy like Bain, who's an older player, late late first round pick, and it was third. I want to say thirtieth pick in the draft. He was at least late twenties. Um, but a guy like that to be making two hundred seven. That's that's insane to me. I mean, not not in a bad way. I mean, I'm glad he got his bag. And let's justify this for a second that he's a guy that until he kind of hit a rough patch here in the playoffs this year, I mean, he was making he was historically efficient shooting in the playoffs. I mean, a guy that did not shy away from the moment when Ja went down uh, a couple years ago. I mean, he was he was leading the team, and Desmond Bain's a guy that I think will re- remain a top top 10 shooter in this league at times top five. I mean, he, he's taken volume that Steph Curry's taking. He's approaching that Fred VanVleet, Steph Curry level of volume from shooting. And there's not a lot of guys who are going to do that and also be a guy they are going to take guys off the bounce and also a guy that's going to compete defensively. So it's it's tough to pay over $200 million to a guy that you're not sure is going to make an all-star game. It's 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 kind of like a C.J. McCollum situation. Chris Middleton, I mean, Chris Middleton hit a I mean, got a got an all-star. Uh, but I, I I don't know if I don't know if he's ever going to escape that now because now it's going to be well you're paying to it why are you an all star I mean that that expectation is going to constantly chase him the same way that it chased uh, CJ McCollum the same way that it chased Mike Conley he's going to be a great player that's going to be just short of meeting the expectations that his contract probably says he should but at any rate happy that he got that absolutely happy that he got that. Um, what about Jeremy Grant? That's got to be the weirdest, craziest contract of all of free agency because he signs this five-year, hundred five-year, five-year, not not a four, not a three-year, not a not a two-player option, big contracts sort of deal like you got with, like five years in in Portland, like a I'm gonna be here and and spend the rest of my prime here contract, and then. With like eight hours later, Lillard's like, "Yeah, I'm out." <laughs> what? How? How? I don't even understand how that happens. The, the communication clearly wasn't there with with Dame. Do you think that was an accident? Or are they going to stick with him? Is is Grant stuck there? Like, what? What? What even comes to mind? Yeah, obviously, it, it's a very strange situation. I guess they were kind of thinking we have no choice but to get Grant back because we want to keep Dame. That was obviously their thinking when they. When they made that deal, and I think I guess it was probably in uh, in Grant's mind as well that he wanted to come back because he wanted to play alongside Dame and try and be this winner in the uh, with Dame in Portland. And then very quickly after that, it's yeah, I want out. Get me, get me out of here. I don't want, I don't want to be here anymore. So it's gonna be interesting to see what what he would be thinking now. But it's definitely a weird one when you think this is a team that could possibly go into a rebuild. According to them, they're gonna just keep on being committed to winning and they're going to be out on the limb. But there's this is a team that's going to be growing and building around two young guys, two fairly fairly raw talents, obviously in Shane Sharp and uh Scoot Henderson. So it's it's gonna be another one with Dame leaving and with what they could possibly get back, it's gonna be you thinking on paper it's gonna be like two, three years before this is a team that you're like uh, they're definitely going to be in the playoffs this year. That's how it feels looking at it from from the outside. So yeah, it was definitely a strange one, 
And it's just kind of a question now. It's like, where would he, where would they be able to move him to? Where could he go now after signing that contract? It, it's going to be tough for him to move on. And it, and it could almost ultimately waste, waste the best years that he has left. Or it could be, it could be a good move for him. It's going to be one that you look back on in a couple of years and then you'll be able to really make a true judgment on it. Yeah, I mean, I think it tells me that they're, it feels like tanking is kind of dead. Not super dead, because, I mean, you saw the team still trying to stay in that top four uh, in the in the lottery. But I don't think you see teams anymore that are just like, I need to tear everything down to stay uh, the worst team in the league. So I think that's moves that you see happen. Um, and maybe it's also the, a signal that the draft class next year seems like is not as strong. But it, it feels very similar to what the Wizards did, too. I mean, I think we can discuss both these in the same light where they just extended uh, Kuzma four years. Um, for, I mean, modest deal, $25, 26000000 million. But on a team that you think is like, all right, this is a complete teardown. This is a complete rebuild. But it feels like they're still trying to be competitive. I mean, same thing with the Blazers. I mean, um, the, the Wizards, like, like I talked to them, man, I mean, they could be weirdly kind of good, maybe. I, I, I think you have a starting lineup with, like, Tyus Jones, Kyle Kuzma, Corey Kispert, Jordan Poole, Danny Avdia, and you got, you got Biggs and, and Gafford, Pascala, you got veterans in Gallinari and Gibson. Like, this isn't a team that's like, okay, we just got Bilal. Let's just tear everything down and see what happens. Like, they got some guys. I mean, same thing with the Blazers. I mean, I think I think they believe that, you know, if Dame's not going to be here, fine. We have Anthony Simons, a guy who for a couple months was averaging like 30 points a game and shooting 50, 40, 90. So, sure, we'll rock with that. And we'll, we'll see how much more we get from Sharp. We'll see how much more uh, we get from our young guys. And Grant, bring him along for the ride. So I, in, in that light, I'm not going to be surprised if they also try to, if they pay the money to keep Dybul. Um, but I think maybe the signals to me that the Blazers are willing to be like not the worst team next year. I, I don't, uh, that's a weird statement to make, but willing to be a moderately competitive team. And I think, I mean, Grant dealt with that in Detroit. It didn't seem too unhappy. I don't know. So, I mean, I, I don't know if this is just a situation he's in and it, it's weird to see some players like that, like, a guy who could have stayed in 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 uh, Denver, he could have been in Aaron Gordon's place. He could have been right there winning a championship. I'm I'm really curious if he thinks about that, but I I, I don't think it's a, a mistake. Honestly, I, I think it's pretty intentional that they're like whether or not Dame stays, like we'll keep Jeremy Grant and we'll keep uh we'll keep it pushing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. One of the one of the low key ones I thought was it was just weird to just see the collapse in there. What his market was 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 uh, the Russell Westbrook deal. Two years, mm. eight million dollars to stay in the stay with the Clippers. Obviously, I think it's a move where it was like I want to stay. I want to be on a team that are are thriving to win a championship. But it was also just crazy to think that there's obviously just no market for Russell Westbrook whatsoever. Like the money there. Like to think of a former MVP, a guy that the last contract he's just after coming off, and now to be on a a four mil a year deal, it's it's kind of insane. But I think it's the right move for him because I think the best thing for him to be was just be on a team that's looking to 
to win now that's looking to compete and just doing what he can to be a, a good role player on, on that team. But we're looking at it, it was just surprising to see the, the complete drop off for, for a guy like Russell yeah. Westbrook. Yeah, especially when you zoom out like that and think about where he's been just three years ago and then zoom out for you. Like it's, it's, it's pretty precipitous and it's shocking, I think, for a player that. I think most fans hold pretty dear. I mean, I I loved Russell Westbrook's game. I think for sure, if you're a Lakers fan, it's been up and down. It was an up and down experience, frustrating. But for a guy who's going to be a, a instant Hall of Famer, second out of the league. I mean, it it is it is interesting to see how these guys ended. And I think it's perfect, honestly. This is the exact place. Who else is going to give him the minutes that he wants to play? Who else is going to give him the freedom? And where else is that freedom going to lead to the same positive results that I think it'll continue to have in uh, LA? I, I think that the Clippers, I mean, that was a perfect match for both of them. And at least not out of that men. I mean, I think that, that would have been the, the wow moment where like Westbrook finally hits the situation where he's playing for better minimums. But in LA, I, I believe, I mean, I don't know where that core is going to go because the health thing is just always going to be the issue. Um, but I think he can he can be himself on that team, and that's that's the perfect place for him to be. So I'm, I'm glad he's staying there, and I, I think they'll continue to be competitive. I mean, as long as Kawhi is healthy, I, you you never know with this team. They haven't had a healthy season, but that's that's just another team to keep an eye on. Um, Low-key one. That was weird. I I, I I don't understand this, not just because of the foot. This is just a microcosm. This is not uh, any knock on Jalen McDaniels, who got signed by the Raptors. I like Jalen McDaniels. I think he's a great player. I, I think that he he could be a contributor on like a real contending team. And he's amazing, like turning into a shooter. Not quite there yet, but just tools that he has. But why why did the Raptors need another guy like this? Yeah. I, I, I don't. I I understand the I think the the vision to have a team full of of guys that you know that can switch defensively that kind of can do it all maybe like you know uh maybe he could be kind of a a wing it seems more as he's playing the four but he seems a little bit limited there but I don't see a situation where that's a meaningful addition to Scotty Barnes development especially after you just lost Fred VanVleet. Yeah, you you got you had your backup plan and Dennis Schroeder, but I I I don't really I don't really get where they're going. Um Pertle, yeah, you got to you had to keep him in there. You needed a big. But I think Jalen signing Jalen McDaniels just felt like a microcosm of um a team that is obsessed with the vision that I don't know produces the best result for Scotty long term. And yeah, it, it doesn't seem like they're doing much else either. Yeah, it was definitely a, it was definitely a weird one just in terms of the overall fit and the players that are already in that team. But then it also kind of makes you think that there's also the possibility that they could be a team that that uh knows they they may end up selling off a few pieces as well. That that that's what that kind of deal kind of uh, looked like to me. Or maybe they'll see him as an asset that they could possibly move. It's it's definitely a, a bit of a strange one, but I guess they're in a in a mold where they know they're not gonna be a competitor next year. And maybe it's important to have pieces that potentially other teams that are looking to contend may want that they can get extra pieces out of that. 
maybe maybe that's what they're thinking. But yeah, it was definitely a, a bit of an eye opener when I saw that in terms of just the overall fit. It was definitely definitely a bit of a strange one. Any more, or, or will we close it out and talk about the the few the few big uh, big stars that could still be on the move before the end of the year? Yeah, who who do you who do you got? Well, obviously the the obvious ones, Damian Lillard has finally requested a trade. Only once Miami, apparently, which is just a bit a bit a bit strange because for Portland, uh, that's all I'm saying is that the package they can get off Miami is not at the level of the package they can get off of of uh, more than more than a few teams in both the East and the West. And then James Harden, he apparently only wants the Clippers. But I think Philly are going to drive a hard bargain there. Think about what they uh, what they asked for for Tobias Harris. Uh, <laughs> if they're they're looking there for the same level of uh, for James Harden, I don't think he's going to be moving anywhere, and he's going to be he's going to be staying in Philly. But it's it's weird to see. Obviously, they're the two main ones. That they're both players that apparently are saying, "I only want to go here. I don't want to go anywhere else." Which is just uh, it's a bit weird and a bit ambitious for the two of them. I think if Dame, if Dame went somewhere like, I, I don't know, if if he, if he found his way to, it seems like he'd be fine on the Celtics, and that that's that seems to be really, I think a lot of people hold their breath for if if that ended up being a a Jalen Brown for for Dame kind of deal, um, but you can't sign you can't sign and trade the the max that that Brown had that also has to be kept in mind, but. Yeah, I, I I'm still. Do you, do you have any places you'd want to see Dame? Because it feels like now when it, when the guy like him pushes for Miami, as much as like we posture for like, well, that doesn't make sense for the team. It just always seems to happen. And I think the calculus is always like, well, if he's got a long contract like that, do you want an unhappy superstar and do you want to get off all those assets for a guy who doesn't even want to be there? How much better is that going to be compared to just like doing what we have now? And that that seems to be a a common issue. So I mean, if it's not Miami, where would you want to see him? The Knicks. Yeah, outside of the Knicks, of course. Yeah, <laughs> um, Minnesota is a low key one because I think they need to move off of Cap, but I just mm. don't know about the fit on the whole there. I think yeah, the idea of like taking the ball that much more out of out of Ant's hands, I don't know if I like that. But I also think it could be, it could definitely work. It would definitely have them in a better situation than they're in now, but. Uh, that would be a more interesting one. Obviously, I, I like it in Miami. I'm not saying that I don't want to see Dame playing in Miami. It's just I think the package that they could get off other teams would be a bit more favorable than what they could get. They're just going to get a whole load more guards that they don't need and uh, probably not the best uh, not the best draft picks in the world. So obviously, Miami is the ideal one because I think he provides exactly what they need. Just that locked-on, dead-eye scorer alongside the great defensive pieces like like Bam and like Jimmy Butler. But there's definitely other teams that I think could even trade them. That guy has got a bit more star potential, a bit more of a better fit within what the Blazers already have. And Minnesota is one that I definitely like to look up more so because I just want to see them move off of cap. And it would be it would be pretty cool to see see someone like Dane playing in it, playing out of there. Scoot Simons. Sharp, Grant, Carl Anthony Towns. That's fascinating. The fun team. That's that's really interesting. Would I buy into that long term? 
I think I might. I mean, if if the Timberwolves approach me with that, that's my biggest position of need. That's a, you know, best, best shooting big in the league and according to cat history. So, you know, I guess you got to keep taking with that. Um, who else is going to offer a all NBA level potential level player for Dame Lillard in this situation? Pretty much nobody because all those other teams need to keep their all NBA guy to be successful. And ironically, I think the Timberwolves are one of the only teams right now that could give up what is arguably their most talented second one, a one B talented player that, Hmm. Do you see that somewhere? Does that, that, I like that. I, I would, I would hundred percent co-sign that. I think Carl Anthony Towns switch for Dave Miller, just in terms of what the, the, the Blazers would want. Um, what does Dame want? I mean, that's, you, you seem to love small market teams. I mean, why, why don't you just keep it rocking with, with small market West coast teams? Um, that's hmm, that's fascinating. I mean, why would the Blazers, if you're the Blazers, like truthfully, if if the Timberwolves are like, hey, like <laughs> we just need to figure that both teams are in very precarious situations. I mean, I would do that. I would do that. And I think that the Timberwolves would not have to give up a ton of future assets. Um, because I think the Blazers too, maybe they believe in the two big assets they have right now. Maybe they believe, okay, we have Scoot, we have Sharp that those are the two guys that we want to develop around. And then we'll just figure out later picks later. We don't need a ton of first rounders to, to make it work as cat enough. I think, I think I might do that, especially if you're looking at the fact that they're keeping around Jeremy Grant and they're thinking about, you know, the short future, not the long future. Those are two very different things. Then I, I like that. Yeah, it's a historic day, Chris. Actually, agreeing with one of yes. my one of my trade yes. ideas. That Look at that. Not, I, that. That, that actually makes sense. <laughs> first time, first time for everything. Huh? What about All James? Right, now Harden? you can ruin. Now you can ruin it with the James Harden idea. What I, I I I honestly don't know. My take I, is. I, what do you think? What do my you think? my hot take. I don't think he's gonna get traded. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna get traded because I don't think there's a great trade for him that makes sense for other teams as well. I I, I think he's staying. I I think it's gonna be an awkward like. Sorry, dude. Like we can't figure out something that makes sense, and he's just gonna have to deal with the fact that it makes the most sense for him to stay in Philly. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think that's fair. I think obviously we saw the the market was not there for him whatsoever. That's why he had to opt into his deal. Obviously, he's saying that he wanted wants to be moved. He wants to be traded. Just just standard from James Harden at this stage. He just uh, doesn't really like it anywhere. He's never never gonna be happy anywhere. So I mean. It's a. It's definitely going to be most likely that it's it's a, it's a running back sort of situation, but it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the mentality of J, of Joel Embiid is, knowing that a guy like Harden doesn't want to come back. Where does he see this Philadelphia team going, and maybe what sort of pressure can he put on the on the higher ups to possibly either just go out and make a move or or know that they're they're still building in the right direction. Yeah, Joel seems like a Embiid seems like a like he's been not complacent, but okay with whatever the the Sixers do. He's all he's always seemed to be a great teammate in that regard. Where he's not he's he's not really <laughs> except for Ben, but you know I I think that he's gonna stick it out there. He's not gonna be the type to do that. He doesn't strike me as a as a guy who would who would make 
real pressure on the front office to either move someone else or, or move him or anything like that. But it is going to be, I mean, that's just going to be an awkward, awkward training camp, man. Like, hey, sorry I tried to get out. Like, uh, let's have a great season. I really, I really believe in us. Like, how, how are those locker room speeches going to go? I, I don't know how many locker room speeches James Harden is doing, but uh, it's going to be a little less inspiring when it's like, dude, you tried to leave us like, like two months ago. Like, what? Why? Are you, <laughs> it's just going to be weird. Um, uh, let, let me put another trade to bed while we're at it. Zach Levine is not being traded. That's not going to happen. I, I think the front office did their due diligence to be like, let what is Levine worth? Because I mean, if in this draft, if if someone if if the Blazers were like, you know what, yeah, we'll, we'll give you, we'll give you essentially Scoot Henderson, uh, and another player for Zach Levine, because that seemed to be what what they were looking for. Then, like we talked about, dude, you do that. I think any team does that, and I think you know. That that's that's a very different ball game, um, but that wasn't the case, and no one else is gonna offer that. So they've made the Vooch extension, which honestly, yes, like it, no one's gonna be happy that that Vooch got extended because he's just a reminder of a deal that did not lead anywhere. But it, but Vooch is the best option at center that we have right now on the market, and. We signed Javon Carter, answers our, our three-point shooting issue, uh, keeps around the same level of defense that you got from, from Pat Bev that replaces the – does not replace the level of defense you got with Lonzo, but it comes close. And you signed Torrey Craig, another three-point shooting switchable wing that's going to be a better fit than uh, Derek Jones. I mean, they're, they're doing little things to try and fill out the roster and hopefully answer enough small questions that can – give them space to improve on whatever the mess was last season. But I think these all say, these are not moves that are like, Hey, we're going to rebuild. There's zero signal for that. Absolutely. Absolutely not. I mean, it's not going to happen. They're not trading him. They're not trading DeRozan, not trading Rooch, obviously they're not trading anybody. We're just going to gear up for another season with the same thing. Can't wait. <laughs> I can re I really see your excitement there. And I think Kelsey, the Knicks are obviously in a in a in a better position than the Bulls at this moment, but I think they're obviously it's looking like they're just going to be running it back again with the same same squad. Obviously, they added Divincenzo. We'll we'll see how that we'll see how that goes. I wasn't totally sure about that that deal, but I think he can provide a nice fit a nice role within this team and have a, have a solid impact. One of the guys, obviously another Boston guy, Malcolm Brogdon. Is he a guy you think could could be on the move, or you think he he he'll stay he'll stay in Boston? I think it's really sketchy with the, the injury thing. Mm -hmm. Nobody's talking about it. The fact that he got pulled out of that trade yeah. for for injury concerns, that that doesn't mean nothing. It's our daily double negative. I, I don't think that I don't think that doesn't mean nothing because he he's a guy that um that any team would love to have in terms of his contribution. But if he if he couldn't be included in the trade and said they had to push Marcus Smart trade like that, that tells me that that injury is is significant enough for contending teams to think twice. Um, and that's concerning. That that's concerning for the Celtics. I, I I don't know what kind of long term issue this could have, but hopefully hopefully it's not something that bleeds into um, too far into the season. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's going to be interesting to keep an eye on and see if they can 
if they'll be looking to move him because of what potentially the injury might be and kind of get that done under under the radar or if they'll just look to move on because obviously they were willing to give him up in the in the original Porzingis deal. And now obviously they've given up smart, so maybe they'll just think, no, we're gonna run it back with him now. We got we we, we need that extra bit of uh that extra bit of guard cover. Just to finish it out then, what's one semi realistic guy that you would like to see traded off the team they're currently playing on now? Siakam. Siakam. Yes. Thank you. Siakam. We agree he's, again. He's, Absolutely. He's, you should there we go. Um I, I think, you know, we we saw the peak of his powers and they're great. I mean, he's, he's an all-star. He's an all NBA player. Um, and probably, probably Siakam is probably the most underrated all NBA player in the league. Yeah. Right. Easily. Um, and what he does, what he does on the Raptors is tremendous. Awesome. But the Raptors are not going anywhere with Scotty, not reaching his potential and, and Siakam being a French all NBA player. Which I mean, like you, he's a great player. But what what do you where are you going? And I think that's why the whole uh, the Jalen McDaniel's deal feels like they, this is an oversimplification and obviously not true of the genius that is Masai Ujiri. But like to just dumb it down, it's like, dude, like why why do we keep pushing for these types of players? Like where's where's the where's the construct here? And Siakam could be in several places where he could be a tremendous contributor with all he does. Um, but I would love to see him in a different situation where there's a little bit more harmony in terms of a roster construction. It feels like there's not the roster around him that fully makes sense that that would contribute to the type of team success that would put him on the map, that would not keep him underrated. Um, and it would also give Scotty a chance to like just kind of put pressure on himself to be the guy. Like, don't rely on OG. Don't rely on uh siakam like you're you're the guy like you you have that talent so i don't know if that deal materializes but i mean he's a guy that i think can be had it seems like his name is not he's not untouchable nobody's untouchable but raptors are gonna eventually hit a wall and i think it'll become pretty clear this year and that's gonna be the point where what do you do with an all nba level player on a team that's not meant to to compete as constructed with a player that who should be replacing what he does in a championship level scenario. So that that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one that I, that I had listed there as well. I think he's definitely a guy who should be on a contender. And I'm just saying, I I think I would take Siakam over Julius Randle in New York. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there. I think I'd be not that that, that would be a straight up deal or anything, but I'm just saying I, I think I would. I prefer a guy like like Siakam over over Julius Randle, especially with with the way that I know Jalen Brunson can uh, can lead the team and and lead and lead the scoring and the all round game of of, uh, of Siakam. You got anything to say on that? No, no, no. let that slide. We'll just let that slide. We'll we'll let that slide. I'll 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 let you. I I'm gonna I'm gonna find some time to compile the the list of. Uh, of Julius Randle trades that you've, you've come up with for the past year and a half. And then <laughs> what we love every minute of him when he's averaging 25 during the regular season and then becomes a dud again when we get back to the playoffs. But anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for joining us. My thanks to Chris for joining me as always. Remember, you like what you're hearing. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And remember to take every shot and love every moment. <laughs>